0: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a Life Study. And we're delighted to bring you short portions of this spoken ministry on today's broadcast. Now, let's join today's Life Study.
1: In Hebrews, the New Testament book, the Apostle Paul, who is the likely writer of Hebrews, quotes the prophet Jeremiah. Listen to Hebrews eight, ten, and 11. For this is the covenant which I will covenant with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will impart my laws into their mind, and on their hearts I will inscribe them, and I will be God to them, and they will be a people to me. This marvelous prophecy from the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah revealing the coming new covenant impressed the apostle enough to include it in the New Testament. But this is certainly not the only pointer in this Old Testament book to what God in his divine economy has in store for his elect. Bill Lawson has joined us today. I believe, Bill, uh, at least from what I was able to uh, gather preparing for this program, what we're in store for today is absolutely incredible. Extraordinary for any lover of the Word of God, any lover of God who really is seeking Him. This is wonderful today, isn't it?
2: Really so. Jeremiah is such a wonderful book, and there's so much in Jeremiah that uh, we just don't realize it, so we need to get into it week by week.
1: And significantly, what I think will become very clear today as we carry on in this fellowship and uh, in the portion we'll receive from Witness Lee here in a few minutes, in this book of Jeremiah, the New Covenant foretold in chapter 31, is by no means the only New Testament or New Covenant item that is apparent in this book. It seems like a book of history of the degradation of Israel, of their deplorable condition in God and his righteous wrath and indignation uh, dealing very severely with them but actually as we'll hear witness lee say in a minute here it's full of these gems these crystals uh, that are really the new covenant uh, isn't it
2: really so for example we have matters such as righteousness we have the matter of redemption here and then we also have the matter of the life that we'll see as we get into today's program
1: let me look at uh, a couple of verses from now jeremiah and that portion i read from hebrews almost a word-for-word quote of uh, jeremiah 31 in the book of jeremiah itself chapter 23 verses 5 and 6 give us a very clear uh, indication of the coming of christ indeed days are coming declares jehovah when i will raise up to david a righteous shoot and he will reign as king and act prudently and will execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called, Jehovah, our righteousness. This has to be our dear, precious, redeeming Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't it, Bill?
2: Yes. Only when it mentions our righteousness, how could this just be Jehovah himself? This has to be the incarnated God, our wonderful Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Well, I'm looking forward, as I said, very much to what we're about to hear today and uh, have a chance to fellowship. So we'll join Witness Lee, and then you and I will come back for a, a couple of minutes of uh, our
3: comments. Christ, God incarnated to be the descendant of David. Even with the genealogy of Christ, it says Christ is the son of David. That is a new branch, That's new sprout, of David, that it is a shoot, the righteous shoot. is all together, from his infancy, he was righteous. He will be raised up to David. Hallelujah. God did it. God did raise up Jesus as the new sprout to David. And then he will realize him and act prudently, for Christ to act prudently, this needs him to be in resurrection and ascension. If he is not in resurrection and in ascension, how could he be a king? Just the word king indicates this king must be after his resurrection. When he was a little Jesus, could he be a king? No, it was after his resurrection, and he is now in the ascension. He's the king, not only the king, he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the ruler of all the kings on this earth. In ascension, he acts prudently. He acts prudently in resurrection.
1: Bill, a short portion there from Witness Lee, dealing with a couple of very short verses in Jeremiah 23, but packed with um, multiple references, unmistakable references to the coming Lord Jesus, and not just the historical Christ, but the Christ in resurrection. How about these points?
2: Yeah, it's really marvelous. For example, all the way from Jeremiah chapter 2 to about Jeremiah 45, you have this long, drawn-out word there about the unrighteousness of israel how much they're under god's judgment and the punishment and then all of a sudden in the middle of all these long chapters you have this marvelous word about the coming christ especially this matter of christ being raised up as a righteous shoot to david i think we all realize from the old testament that during david's time his davidic kingdom was almost like a stately tall tree. But by the time of Jeremiah, and even more by the time of Christ's first birth, that stately tree, that kingdom of David, was reduced to insignificant stump or a branch (laughs) or a little twig. Yet Christ, as a twig from uh, David, could come out of a seemingly insignificant status and be incarnated and then, of course, uh, redeem us and then enter into resurrection and ascension. And in resurrection and ascension, he could be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So this is a marvelous word on the coming wonderful person of Christ, his person and his work.
1: Of course, the genealogy in the Gospel of Matthew traces back his royal heritage, shall we say, to David there. But in his human life on earth as we saw him and we see him revealed in the pages of the New Testament, his kingship is not evident. And more than just reference in the Gospel of Matthew there early on, it was after his resurrection and ascension that this matter of his kingship will be fully manifested isn't it
2: that's true also with the book of acts at the time of ascension peter mentioned that this very jesus was made lord and christ in his ascension so in both his resurrection and ascension you have christ being the king and also acting prudently so i think we really see the prudent activities of christ mainly uh, in his resurrection and his ascension
1: of course today as believers we all acknowledge him as the king of kings on the throne But there is a day coming when this kingship will be uh, really restored to the earth and the Lord will occupy the throne in a, a proper ruling way for a thousand years. So all of this foretold in Jeremiah here.
2: Right. That will be the coming restoration of the kingdom of David where we will really see the outward manifestation of the reigning of Christ on the earth.
1: There's a couple verses in Jeremiah that probably will be familiar as we read them to many of our listeners. And the two that I have selected, one in chapter 17, one in chapter 13, both point out how desperately Israel and also we need this shoot of righteousness, Jehovah our righteousness, the one that is being prophesied, as we read before, in chapter 23. Chapter 17, verse 9 says, "...the heart is deceitful above all things." And it is incurable. Who can know it? seems like he's really setting us up for the new covenant that will come in chapter 31 with this verse, doesn't he, Bill?
2: Yes, he surely does. He's really describing the incurable situation. And that's not just the situation of the <laughs> children of Israel. That's, <laughs> that's our, our <laughs> situation. Right. That's our situation today uh, before we were redeemed by the death of Christ, but by the mercy of God who brought in this righteous shoot uh, Christ that we can all be redeemed and become a new creation.
1: Another verse in chapter 13, uh, very much along the same line, I think also somewhat familiar. Verse 23 says, Can the Cushite change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then, implied if is there, if this is so, then you may be able to do good who are accustomed to do evil. But just as difficult as it would be for one to change the color of his skin or for the leopard to change his spots, for us who are uh, so accustomed to evil to do good is not that possible, is it, Bill?
2: It's an impossible situation.
1: All right, let's go back to Witness Lee as he uh, points us to these very, very enlightening verses.
3: His name will be called Jehovah, our Ressus. He's just Jehovah. And he is Jehovah as our righteousness. He's just our righteousness. We don't have any righteousness. And Jeremiah has few verses telling us that we are wicked and we have a heart so deceitful above all things. You have to realize you are more deceitful than all others. I used to say I am a person who never deceives people. I still say it. But in the night time, I realized I deceived my mother. Think about whom you never deceive. You never deceive your mother? Many daughters deceive their mother three times a day. Which husband has never deceived the wife? Which wife has never deceived the husband? Everyone among us is deceived above all. Israel was so. Jeremiah says, you Israel, your natural sinful nature can never be changed. There's no possibility that your sinful nature could be changed just like the skin of the Ethiopians. Could you change the skin of the Ethiopians? Not only so, your sinful nature could never be changed as a leopard spot. Wicked with a heart deceitful, with a nature unchangeable. Suppose I am such a one, I am finished. But still, I am not finished in the hope of God. Jehovah is my person, not me. I myself nothing. My person is Jehovah. Therefore, I hope in him. I have no hope. I am a hopeless case, but my hope is in him. Then, because of this, I'm still here. I've not been abandoned by God, not been given up by God, not been thrown away by God. I'm still here enjoying Christ because Christ is here. My situation just prepares the way for Christ to come in. My situation is not bad. Our situation, evil situation, wicked situation, deceitful situation, unchangeable situation, it's not that bad. Praise God that we do have such a situation that affords a standing, a position, a chance, a time for Christ to come. And Christ came. Christ came at the son of David. New sprout. He as God is my righteousness. This is Christ. In describing all the evils of Israel, Jeremiah is the most detailed one. From chapter 2 to chapter 45, 44 chapters, a kind narration Israel's wickedness. All of a sudden, in chapter 23, a new sprout, new suit, God will resolve to David. And this one is just God. As our righteousness. In chapter 33, again, such a one should be called Jehovah our righteousness.
1: Bill, you know, uh, words like this make it inescapable even to ourselves, regardless of what opinion we might have of the kind of persons we are, how desperately we need a righteous shoot don't we just as israel did it's not just their evils and wickedness and their idolatries our hearts uh, are equally corrupt and wicked without question
2: right brother lee is marvelous in his portrayal of the detailed way that jeremiah viewed the plight the the poor plight of the children of israel just absolutely hopeless helpless wicked evil just enumerated sin after sin and unrighteousness, but this matter that he brought in about, if we, in a sense, don't realize or we're not brought to the realization of how wicked we are, then we don't afford a way for Christ to come in to be our righteousness, our redemption, and our life.
1: Yeah, this point is too marvelous. Paul somewhat makes the same point in the New Testament. I think particularly in Romans, you may well know better, but it's not saying that God causes sin, causes our failures, but certainly he, in his sovereignty, has allowed them, and not only so, but turned our sin and our failures into uh, an opportunity to bring forth the righteousness of Christ. I mean, how magnificent is that if we consider this? It's humbling, but it's also... uh, inspiring, isn't it?
2: Mm -hmm. Right. It's not easy to understand that. Obviously, the Lord doesn't cause that, bring us into that situation. But because of the fall, man falling away from God, away from God's purpose, we are really in that state. And that again, is a base for Christ to come in. If, if we were not in that situation, there would be no need for Christ to come in to be our righteousness, our redemption, and our life. But because we are in this situation, then that afford the Lord a way to come in and solve this problem.
1: Well, our last portion today will um, touch this point a little bit more, but also bring us to really the, I would say, the high peak in Jeremiah, and that is this promised new covenant that Paul repeats in Hebrews and really is the New Testament. Let's read it again. Now, this time from Jeremiah. We read it earlier in the program from Hebrews. Jeremiah 31, "...but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days," declares Jehovah. "...I will put my law within them and write it upon their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people." And they will no longer teach, each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, No Jehovah, for all of them will know me, from the little one among them even to the great one among them, declares Jehovah, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. I can't read those words enough, Bill. Yeah. Every time it's fresh, isn't it?
2: Really
3: marvelous.
1: All right, here's Witness Lee for our final portion today.
3: Hallelujah. In such a book... Full of Israel's sin and evil, and full of God's wrath, God's punishment, not only to Israel, but all to nations. Yet, in such a book, there are these diamonds. Our failure with God's compassion just prepares the way for Christ to come in, to be first our righteousness, then our redemption, and also our life. The righteousness of God is Christ and the redemption is Christ and the life and the life law and the life capacity, all these are Christ. Then you will ask, what is this? This is a new covenant. And what the new covenant says, I will put my law within them. Surely this is not the law of letters. This must be the law of life. Otherwise, how could God put his love into our being? It must be his life. When God would put his love into us, that means God would put himself into us as our life. Amen. And this life is the love. I illustrated already. This life regulates. If I'm an eagle, I could fly. I am not an eagle. I don't have the eagle life. So no eagle law. But hallelujah, God will put his life within them and uh, write it upon their hearts. From their spirit, I will go over to their hearts to inscribe what I am into their being. In the new covenant, God doesn't ask you to do anything because in the new covenant, he does everything. He puts, he writes then I will be their God. After he is our God, then that makes us to be his people. All of them will know me. To live for God is to know God. If you know God, you will not hate. God loves people. If you know God, you should love people. How could we do this? We could not do this unless God put his life in us. And he arrives just himself. God puts himself in us, so we know him. Even Paul quoted this in Hebrew 8 to tell us that we can behave, we can have our being just as he is. And he is forgiving, and he does not remember anyone's sin, so we are the same. And this leads to the new creation. Anyone that is like this is a new creation. And this new creation consummates in the New Jerusalem. And that is the consummation of the entire divine revelation. This is Jeremiah. We should say Jeremiah is the base of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And the New Testament is the development of Jeremiah.
1: Bill, it is one thing to have a few uh, sort of scattered or random verses that may point us to an aspect of Christ in the New Covenant, but for him to make this last statement, that Jeremiah is the base of the New Testament, and the New Testament is a development of Jeremiah, this is far more than
2: that, isn't it? Really, really so. Of course, we know Jeremiah is an Old Testament book, but uh, hidden, I would say, almost buried within this book are these diamonds are these gems that show all of these new testament features and new testament nature because you have here this shoot of david rising up and you have especially this new covenant that jeremiah talks about where he says that i will put my law within them in the old testament god's mosaic law could never be put or inscribed within his people But here in Jeremiah chapter 31, which is quoted by Paul in Hebrews 8, you have all these New Testament matters, such as the matter of our being his people, he being our God. You have the matter of redemption. You have the matter of the law of life imparted into us. That is strictly New Testament. Uh, So you have all of these aspects of the New Testament that are seen Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. in these two verses in Jeremiah chapter 31. So this is really a marvelous opening up of Jeremiah to us to show the New Testament features mentioned even in Jeremiah in the Old Testament.
1: We've got just about a minute left. Let's talk about this matter of the law or what is really being spoken of here. Many people may not be familiar with this term, the law of life, but uh, for this to be the new covenant, this surely is not the Lord engraving the uh, Ten Commandments in a legislative way or in the legislative context into our hearts. So what is being implied here, Bill?
2: Yes, of course, in the Old Testament, you have the Mosaic Law, which was objective, wanting to regulate his people objectively. Of course, that became a demand, a commandment for them to keep so that God could have a people and they could be his God. Of course, we all know they failed miserably. They broke the law even before they received the law. <laughs> yeah. and this has been the sad state of the nation of Israel. But even uh, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant that Jeremiah talks about, that the Lord himself self, coming in incarnation, uh, is the embodiment of the divine life. And within God's divine life, there is a scientific operation or the law of this life. For example, you have birds that just fly, yeah. dogs that bark. This is a an innate law that works within the certain life of every created thing. In God's divine life that is imparted into us, there is also a law, and that's what uh, is called the law of life. Once this divine life is imparted into us, the law within that life regulates, and it works within us to make us exactly like God and to make us uh, God in life and nature so that we live out the very life of God. And this is the heart of what uh, Jeremiah was talking about, and this is what Paul was trying to talk to the uh, Hebrews about in chapter 8 of uh, Hebrews.
1: In chapter 8 of Hebrews, of course, in chapter eight of Romans, verse two, for the law of the spirit of life has freed me in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Right. Bill, you said, I want to just clarify one point. You said uh, this making us just like God, of course, never in the Godhead, never as objects of worship, but surely so in the matter of life and the divine nature. Exactly. Bill, thanks for your participation today
2: It's a real pleasure to be here, Chris
1: Well, we uh, cannot recommend highly enough these written life study messages Hope you take advantage of this opportunity to get the printed life study message uh, our toll-free number If you'd like to call us about that 1-888-LIFE-STUDY study eight 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 we will return next week now and have our second week of life study messages from this book of Jeremiah Please be with us then For Bill Lawson, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening today
0: Throughout the centuries, the Lord has recovered many truths concerning His purpose and plan for humanity. The Recovery Version of the New Testament by Living Stream Ministry presents these crucial truths in a format that is easy to understand and study. This faithful translation of the original Greek text includes outlines of each book of the New Testament, over 9,000 footnotes, more than 13,000 cross-references, charts of important truths and color maps. The New Testament recovery version from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788.